You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Pastor Rhonda. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. When I was um, putting together my legacy sermon from Sunday morning, uh, I was looking at the, some of the kings in the Old Covenant, and when I got across Josiah, uh, he just jumped off the page at me, and then the Holy Spirit brought back his story to me. I hadn't, you know, thought about Josiah in a very long time. So I want to, to share his story with you, and then we're going to talk about what it has to do with us, all right? But um, I, I can get really bogged down in the details, and I don't want to tonight. So uh, the teacher in me wants you to know everything there is to know about everything that was going on, but we don't have time for that. But uh, in a nutshell, what, hap- what had happened was, uh, Rehoboam, King Rehoboam, uh, he was taking the leadership of Israel and, uh, you know, the people came to him and they said, you know, if you'll go a little easier on us than your father did, we'll serve you forever. And he, in his youthful ignorance, came back to the people and said, I'm going to make your life twice as hard as my daddy did. And you know what they did? They took off. Uh, When he was done making that speech, he'd lost 11 twelfths of his kingdom. 11 tribes of Judah said, you know, bump you. I mean, they didn't say that. Those words are not in the Bible. Uh, But they were, uh, you know, we we don't need you or your kingdom. And so they, you know, uh, 11 tribes split off. He was left with one tribe. He gathered that one tribe and said, let's go, you know, force them back into submission. Uh, But the Spirit of God intervened and said, no, this is of me. Um, And so they didn't go fight Israel against Israel. Uh, But the 11 tribes that broke away appointed for themselves a king by the name of Jeroboam. And Jeroboam, uh, for political reasons, he didn't want the people to go up to Jerusalem to offer the sacrifices that God required under the old covenant because Rehoboam was at Jerusalem. And Jeroboam said, if I let all the people go up to Jerusalem where Rehoboam is, he's going to woo them back. And then they'll kill me and I'll lose my kingdom, I'll lose the kingship. And so uh, basically what he said was, you know, It is too far for you to travel up to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices. So I'm going to make it easier on you. So he made two golden calves. And he set them up. One in the north part of the kingdom and one in the south part of the kingdom. And he said to them, Israel, behold your gods who brought you out of Egypt. Now, how many of you know that honked the Lord off? Because Jeroboam knew better. He knew that wasn't even true. But he was afraid he was going to lose his kingdom. So what he did then is he created a whole false religion. And he made festivals and he appointed priests to serve these golden calves that he had made. Um, and, and they offered incense and they held festival a lot like what they did in the real temple in Jerusalem, but only now to these false gods. He took the entire 11 tribes and took them into sin. 
That's where I want to pick up. 1 Kings 13, 1. So King Jeroboam, let me just say, let me set this up. So King Jeroboam, during one of the feasts he had made up, came to Bethel to one of his golden calves he had made, and he was going to offer incense to his fake God, all right? And this is what happened, verse 1. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense to his false god. And he, the young prophet, cried out against the altar in the word of the Lord. So he's prophesying to the altar. And he said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord God. Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priests of these high places that burn incense upon thee. And men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. Verse 3, and he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent or broken, and, uh, broken apart, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hand on him. In other words, get him. Lay hold on him. And his hand, which he had put forth against him, dried up so that he couldn't pull it back in to himself. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God. How many of you know he got King Jeroboam's attention? Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me that my hand be restored to me again. And the man of God besought the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him again and became as it was before. Wow. Now, a lot, there's a lot in this. Number one, the prophet said, in the line of David, which was the kings of Israel, is coming one by the name of Josiah. Well, I can guarantee you Jeroboam went out of his way to ban that name for a while. You understand? Because he did not want to lose his kingdom. So I guarantee you none of his kids were named Josiah. And probably none of his grandkids were named Josiah. Uh, and, and time went on. And these things were written down because they kept good records and all, you know, the whole exchange was written down and that's how we know about it. Um, and time passed. And the young prophet died. And I won't go into that. That's another whole amazing story. But the young prophet died. Then the king died. And time went on. His son took over and then he died and his son took over and, you know, it went on and people forgot because they were serving the false gods. They forgot about God. They forgot about the law of God. They just worshiped the calves and they, they adopted all the gods uh, of those around them. Even Molech, they were offering their own children. The Bible says even the king offered, sacrificed his own children to Molech. I mean, it was, it, it was bad. 
I mean, by the time, by the time we're going to read here in just a minute, they were deep, deep, deep into idolatry, having long forgotten the God of Israel. So, uh, 200, let me see, 282 years later, that's where we're going to pick it up. 282 years later, let's pick up this story. 2 Kings 21, 25. 2 Kings 21, 25. And as for the other events of Ammon's reign and what he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the king of Judah? And he was buried in his grave in the garden of Uzzah, and Josiah, his son, succeeded him as king. They forgot. And he happened to name his son Josiah. Let's move on. 2 Kings 22, next verse, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. And his mother's name was Jedidiah, daughter of Adiah, and she was from Bozkath. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to it to the right hand or to the left. I'm telling you, when I was preparing this afternoon, I, I got like another chapter and a half in my notes, and I thought, good night, we'll be there till midnight so I took it out but to make a long story short in the 18th year of, of the his reign King Josiah was having the temple to the real God restored his heart was towards God God just had his hand on this kid and he started reigning when he was eight for pity's sake but by, in his 18th year of his reign, so he was 26 now, uh, he was having the temple to the Lord restored. And in cleaning it up, they found the book of the law and brought it to Josiah and read it to him. And as they read it, Josiah was horrified because he said, God said, if we would do these things, God would do these things. And we haven't done any of those things. We just have to love him. We got to put him first. We got to serve him. We got to do what he says. And it was all there in the book. And he said, we're not doing any of this stuff. And he rent his clothes. He tore his clothes and he fell. And he mourned and he grieved before the Lord. And he said, go find me a prophet of God. So they went and they found Huldah. It was a woman. I love it. Huldah the prophet. Did you know that women could speak for God? Eight of the 55 Old Testament prophets were women. And Huldah said, because you're absolutely right, King Josiah, y'all are in trouble. God's been good and honked off for almost 300 years now. And destruction is coming because of it. But because your heart was tender, because you returned to the Lord, it's not going to happen till after you're dead. So King Josiah brought all the people together, and they stood before the temple of the Lord, and he read them the book. And he said, on behalf of the people, I'm renewing the covenant this day. So then he set about to clean it all up. He 
burnt the altars. He, you know, he burnt the calves. He tore down the Asherah poles. He uh, tore down all the false gods. He dug up the old priest's bones and he burnt them on those altars, just like the man of God had prophesied. 200 and, well, now it was 308 years later. And as they were digging up the graves that were right around those, that uh, altar to, to the calves, because they were throwing all those old priest's bones on the fire and burning them just like was prophesied. They came across a, a grave, and Josiah said, whose grave is that? They said it was the man who prophesied that you would do just what you have now done. And they told him the story. How cool is that? How cool is that? How would you like to open the book and find your story? Glory to God. I tell you, before I married Pastor Mark, I wanted to know that I know that I know because I know, you know, I know, you know, there's a lot of you knows in there, but uh, I looked all the way through the book and nowhere in there did it say Rhonda, Mary, Pastor Mark. But how cool would it have been if I had found a book that said, you know, there will come one named Rhonda who will pastor in Madison, Alabama and raise up a mighty army of people who do know their God and who do exploits. Would that have been cool? Well, I guarantee you that's just how Josiah felt. Doggone, God knew I was coming. And I'm in the book. He, he had to be beside himself with wonder. Because he found himself in the book. What a sense of destiny that must have brought to Josiah. Josiah was told what was written about him, and that further empowered him to do and to be. Why? Romans 10, 17. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How many of you know he heard the word of God? He heard the word of God, albeit a, a spoken prophetic uh, utterance that was written down. Uh, but he heard the word of God. Well, Pastor Rhonda, I wish my destiny was written in the Bible. Hello, it is. It is. You are in the book. And not just Mary. We know Mary's in the book because Mary was in the book. You understand what I'm saying? At least her name's in there. Although it's not referring to her, but we, we, you know. I guarantee you my name's not in there. I looked. Now listen. Your specific name may not be written in the book, but you and your destiny are written all over it. How cool would it be if we had a book hundreds or thousands of years old that foretold our destiny, that foretold what would become of us, that foretold who we would be? Well, I've got good news for you tonight. Here it is. 
We're in the book. We are in the book. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This verse, we're in the book. I'm a whosoever. Are you a whosoever? Glory to God. We read this one day. We read that scripture one day. Or somebody read it to us or somebody told us about it and we called upon his name and we believed in our heart and we confessed with our mouth and that whosoever, we were saved. It's foretelling what's available to us and who we really are and what we really can do. But listen, you have got to see yourself in the book to walk in what he said is yours. This is not just a religious book about other people and things God said. No, you got to get past that if you're going to walk in it. Because this book's about you. This book is about you. I want you to say it. This book is about me. What's written is about me. It really is. You know, years ago, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, Ann Durant told me about a Bible uh, where they would go back and they would put your name in there. Uh, you, know, you know, I would certainly never preach out of it. But it was just kind of cool, you know. Mark, love Rhonda the way that Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. And Rhonda, love Mark and you submit yourself unto him. I mean, it, it, our names were just all through the book. There was a... It was, that was cool. I liked it. But you know what it helped me to do? It helped me to see myself in the book. Because you can have what he said he can have if you can see yourself in the book. If you think this is just a religious book or just, you know, a history book or, or, or whatever, you're never going to see yourself in the book. And if you don't see yourself in the book, you're not going to have what he prophesied over you that you can have. And be. And do. Sorry, I got all excited and I got way ahead of myself. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. How many of you know if you just read that? Wom, 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 wom. But if it's alive to you, I confessed with my mouth. I'm, I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart. And God, I believe that you're saving me. I had a minister argue with me. He said, you really think 
that you just believing something that's in the Bible and confessing it out of your mouth is doing anything? He said, I don't believe that. And I said, then, my dear brother, you are not born again. Because it's how you got into the kingdom. Is believing what God said. Saying it out of your mouth. Confession made unto salvation. That's how we got born again. Well, listen, if it works in that arena, it's going to work in every other arena that God prophesied that you can have stuff and be stuff and do stuff. He didn't know what to say because he never thought about it. I said, you believed in your heart that Jesus was the son of God. That he came to the earth, that he died on the cross for your sins. You received him as your savior. You made him the Lord. And you confessed that out of your mouth. And you were changed. Believing and speaking what God said changed your life. Did it not? He said, I guess it did. Well, how you got in is how you got to walk. If it worked to get you in, it's going to work you as you work for you as you continue to walk it out. I don't even know if that sentence made sense, but you know what I mean. How you got in is how you got to continue to walk with him. You hear him speak because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But you got to put yourself in there. This is not just God talking about other people. This is not God just talking about, uh, you know, somebody. This is God talking about me. And when I believed and when I confessed, it worked for me. But how many scriptures... Have we not made that personal? We can have faith in different areas. When I went to Bible school, I could have faith in all kinds of areas. I, I don't really want to admit that, but I was, uh, they had a roller skating rink at Ramah. And uh, I was a first year student and you know, I was out there roller skating. I used to love to roller skate back when I bounced better. When I was younger and I bounced better. But, uh, you know, I, this guy, you know, one of the guys, he was kind of flirting with me, you know, and he was kind of skating in front of me and I was skating and, you know, he was facing me. He was skating backwards because I didn't, never did skate backwards. But anyway, uh, and he accidentally kicked my skate. Yeah, I hit the ground really hard. And I was really, you know, I thought I don't want to crawl off this floor. But I don't know that I can get up. Uh, I mean, my back, it just tightened down like that in an instant. And I was much younger than I am now. And uh, so I, I got over to the wall, and he was, like, freaking out, you know, as any boy would who has just hurt somebody he was flirting with. Um, and uh, I, I pulled myself up, 
And immediately the scripture started running through my head. And when they started running through my head, they started running right out of my mouth. And I said, no, I believe that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I remembered Brother Hagin's testimony. Water, well, you know, what's a well person doing in bed at 10 in the morning? And so I said, you know, would a well person get off the roller rink and go home and put heat on their back no they wouldn't and so I started around and I it hurt so bad but the more I skated the looser it got until I by the time I got back around there I had no more pain in my back I was quoting scripture the whole way I mean God showed up and showed out because I saw myself in the verses I didn't just see the verses I saw it for me I saw myself in those verses just like Josiah saw himself in the prophecies that were given about him. But when it came to finances, I had a much harder time for that. I don't know why. You know, how many of you know you can be strong in one area and not as strong in some other areas? But I made up my mind because I knew I was going to the mission field that I was going to have to learn how to believe God for finances. So I just made up my mind, I'm not going to tell my mom that I'm struggling financially. I'm going to figure this out. One week, I had literally $8. No, I had $2 for groceries. Now, $2 for groceries is laughable because you can't buy groceries for 2 bucks. So I went to the store, and I bought a day-old loaf of bread. I went to the day-old bread store, got a loaf of bread, day-old, went and found an 88-cent package of hot dogs. And I, every time, that's what I had for a week, literally. I ate that bread and those hot dogs. But you know what? Every meal I sat down, I said, Father, I'm trying to figure this out. I believe that you supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father. You know, the next week I had a few more groceries, but I still, I was still struggling. But every meal I would confess, Father, I thank you that you supply all of my needs. I have enough and more than enough because you promised. And I'll tell you, it was long about week number three, all of a sudden there was a ring at my doorbell. And when I got to the door, there was sacks and sacks and sacks of groceries and I never told anybody but you know what I knew I was going to have to work my faith and believe in that area because I knew God was calling me to the mission field my mom cried when I told her the story she's like honey why didn't you tell me she said, that just breaks my heart. I said, I had to figure it out on my own. I had to grow in that area. But my point is you can see yourself maybe in one set of verses and not see it for you in another. But the word of God is true for you, whether you see it or not. The more you can see yourself in the verses, the more you can see what God has said about you and realized it's for you the more of this you're going to walk in. 2 Corinthians 
For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You've got to see yourself in this verse. I am righteous because I have been made righteous. It's not because of anything I've done. It's because of everything he's done. Father, you said I have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I, even if I don't feel righteous, even if devil would try to bring me shame and guilt and make me feel bad for all the stupid stuff I've done, I choose to believe you. I choose to believe what you said about me. That I am righteous because you've made me righteous. He made you righteous. He made you righteous. He made you righteous. Glory to God. But you have to see it and see yourself there to partake of the benefits of it. Do you see what I'm saying? 1 Peter 2.24 Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Now hang on. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. You got to believe that's about you. Father, I believe that Jesus took every one of my sins. Every one of them, Father. All of my guilt. All of my shame. Jesus bear it in his own body on the tree. My sin. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we being dead to sins. When I was preparing this afternoon, praying over this, those words jumped off the page at me. I'm going to give you a key. Somebody's been looking for a key. You've been struggling with something in your flesh that you maybe have feel like you can't really get under control. And it's holding you back. And it's keeping you from your destiny. And you know it is. But you need to count yourself dead to sin. you got to see yourself in that part of the verse. I am dead to sin. How many of you know dead men don't sin? How many of you know it doesn't matter what you do to a dead person, they're not going to react to you? Because they're dead. I can go out in the graveyard, stand on somebody's grave, call them everything bad I can think of. And how many of you know they're not going to care? Why? Because they're dead. When you're dead, you're dead. So many times our flesh doesn't want to be dead. Tries to talk you out of knowing it's dead. Tries to talk you into yielding to it so it can resurrect. I say it all the time. The only thing wrong with the living sacrifice is it tries to crawl off the altar. 
I mean, you lay your body down as a living sacrifice. Lord, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to live for you. I lay my body down as a living sacrifice on this altar. And what happens? The next day, it tries to <laughs> off the altar. Am I the only one? Let me show you. When you meditate a scripture, sometimes I'll emphasize each word. Like, uh, we being dead to sin. Father, I thank you that I am dead to sin. I am dead to sin. I am. Father, I thank you that I am dead to sin. Father, I thank you I am dead to sin. Father, I thank you that I am dead to sin. I thank you, Father, I am dead to sin. Do you see what I'm doing? I, I am emphasizing each word in there. It helps me to meditate. And, and sometimes it can even bring uh, a little more clarity of what he's really saying. But I know there's somebody who's been struggling. But you're going to have to see yourself dead. That's not who you are anymore. That's not who I am. That is who I was, but that's not who I am anymore. Over the last year, I've uh, studied up a lot on Catherine Kuhlman. And, um, in her later years, she had, uh, well, she'd gotten into some sin early and uh, she broke up somebody's marriage and ran off with somebody's husband and um, you know they they lived together uh, and were married I think for a little while I know some of you are looking at me shocked I'm sorry if you didn't know that um, but it's right in her biography just by the biography it's all good God redeems her but uh, you know she so she's out living in sin with this man and and God dealt with her how many of you know the call never goes away So she left that relationship, went into the ministry. God fantastically used her all the rest of her life. But later in her ministry, somebody dug it up. And a reporter came to her and said, you know, I'm going to expose you, and I've got all this dirt, and, you know, I, I know you did this. And she said, that person is dead. And he said, oh, you're just trying to get out of it. I know it was really you. He thought she was saying that wasn't me. It was somebody else, and they're dead now. But, how, well, which is really, in a sense, true. What she was, she was answering him scripturally. He just didn't get it. That old person that she was, she long ago crucified to lay down her life for him. That we, being dead to sin, that's who I am, Father, that's who we are. We are dead to the old sinful nature and alive unto you. Mm. We are dead to sin. Should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. You can be healed. You can be healed. 
you can be healed. Y'all appreciate this. I was a teenager and I was just learning these things and you know, I wasn't I wasn't taught these growing up and so I was trying I was learning some things about God and and um I was really congested one morning and I mean I had like a cold and I was really sick. I was a teenager. And uh I said, "Father, I'm going to take you at your word. I believe that by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. Every one of my symptoms left." And I said, no way, this can't really happen. And instantly they all came back. Is that not hilarious? It took me like 10 minutes to get into faith and like 10 seconds to get back out of it again. Uh, But that's the first time I ever had an instantaneous healing. Glory to God, it's not the last one, thank God. Uh, But, you know, we can talk. My point is you can talk yourself out of the word as fast as you can talk yourself into it. But until I saw that it was for me. Until I could see myself in what was written of me, I couldn't access it. You have to see yourself in these verses to partake of it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, you took those stripes upon your back. I see that, and I believe you did it for me. And right now, with the hand of faith, I reach back and I touch what you did for me. And with my faith, I pull it into today, and I appropriate it in my body. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed and I thank you for it but you got to see yourself well Pastor Rhonda if I heard God say that I was healed maybe I could believe it you just did you just did this is Scripture inspired by your Father telling you who and what you are and what you have and what is your destiny. But you've got to put, see, your, see you. You've got to see you in that Scripture. Just like Josiah saw himself. Well, Pastor Rhonda, I just need somebody to prophesy to me that God said I'm healed. And then I'll believe it. No, he, the apostle Peter just did. He prophesied to you who are washed in the blood of the lamb. He said that about you. But you got to see yourself to partake. 2 Timothy 3.16. Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In the Amplified Classic, it says, every scripture is God-breathed. Breathe on us. Spirit. I can't do it. Breathe. I'm in the wrong key. That was really, really bad. 
all scripture is God breathed. In the garden, he formed man of the dust of the earth and he breathed into him and he became alive. The breath of God brings life. The breath of God brings life. And these words are God breathed. They are containers. His words are containers that carry the very power of God. Every scripture is God breathed, given by his inspiration and profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline and obedience, and for training in righteousness, in holy living, in conformity to God's will, in thought, purpose, and action. One of the purposes of, these wor of this word is to conform us to God's will in thought, purpose, and action. What is the will of God when it comes to your physical body? His words are God-breathed. And when you see yourself in the scripture, when, when you realize he's talking about you, it conforms you to his will in thought, purpose, and action and conforms you to his will to heal you. Jesus said, pray. Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you know the will of God isn't always done on the earth? Jesus said, pray, it would be. Is there any sickness in heaven? Not a bit. Is the will of God perfectly done in heaven? It is. Where the will of God is perfectly done, there's no sickness. So he said, pray that that will in heaven is also done on the earth. Second Peter one twenty. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture, prophecy of the scripture, the scripture is prophecy for you. No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. These are the words of God. He called scripture prophecy and says the Holy Ghost moved on them to speak. So God did say this is who you are. But you have to see yourself in that verse to partake of it. What he says you can have, you can have. What he says you are, you are. But you have to see yourself there before you can partake of it. When you realize these just aren't words in a religious book, but these are words about me, it changes everything. Just like Josiah, you found a book hundreds and thousands of years old which contains your story. 
Glory to God. Just as surely as Josiah found himself in the history book, you can find your destiny and what you are destined to do and what you're destined to be right here. He said he would always, always cause us to triumph in Christ Jesus. So you know what your destiny is. He said he prepared a good life before you for you to walk out. So you know what your destiny is. you have to realize it's a sure word to you as Josiah's was to him. Even a more sure word. Even a more sure word, the scripture says. It's a more sure word of prophecy. Why? Because it's God breathed for you. And so my point tonight was to encourage you to see yourself in the book, to see that the promises of God aren't just there, but they're about me. And in the areas in which you have yet to be developed, you know what? If I were you, I'd get after it. If there's areas in which you struggle to believe, uh, whether it's for finances or for healing or for your kids to come home or for divine protection or, you know, if you're strong in one area of faith but not in another, this book is a prophecy to you. But you've got to see yourself in there to walk in it. But when you see it, just like Josiah, you can tear it up. Just like we said on Sunday, see this fight from the victory. God said he would always, always cause you to triumph in Christ Jesus. All that means is if you're in the middle of a battle, all that means is it's not done yet. It's not done yet. If it hasn't ended in triumph, it's not done yet. How many of you know the devil will get up in the middle of the game when he's ahead, trying to tell you it's over? Don't you let him do it until it ends the way God said. Uh-uh, devil, I haven't won yet. We're going to keep playing. I am healed. I am healed. My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I have been delivered from my children being carried off into captivity. Find what he says about you and your situation and then go to battle with it. This book is a sure word of prophecy to you. As it was to Josiah, you can see yourself in this book and you must see yourself if you're going to walk it out. Amen. Can the devil win? Ever? I freaked a girl out one time. 
devil was putting symptoms of a terrible disease on her body. And I said, can he do this to you? She looked at me. I said, can he? I mean, you know, she didn't have an answer. So she answered. I said, girl, you got to get a hold of the word until it's alive in you that he can't do this to you. He'll do whatever he can. He'll get away with whatever he can get away with. He'll convince you. If he can convince you it's over midway, he's going to do it. It is not finished until I say it's finished. The Bible says he would perfect everything that concerns you, not just make it better. You know, sometimes we get a little relief in our flesh and we think, oh, oh I got a little relief. Okay, thank you, God. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want just a little dab. I want him to perfect everything that concerns me because he said he would. See yourself in the book. you got to see yourself in the book. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know him so you too can make him known.